0: locked on big 10 your daily podcast on the big 10 conference part of the locked on podcast network your team every day you're listening into locked on big 10 everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week at least three times a week here on the off-season months jay stevens is with us here on the show i'm nate dickinson We're talking NBA draft here as the week of the draft begins, but first we have to get into some news from over the weekend here in the rivalry between Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan got its Big Ten championship rings, or or at least it was publicly made that they had their Big Ten championship rings now over the weekend. I said before we started, I don't know why this happened in June, but the rings are now out there and it has the score of the Big Ten championship game on there, which makes sense. But Michigan also puts on there the score of the Ohio State game, which, of course, was huge for the season and huge for kind of just Michigan football in like history as well. So, so I, I kind of I personally kind of am OK with it and think it's kind of cool. I am not the Ohio State contingency, though, Jay. you are. What are you thinking, and what, what do you think about Michigan at least putting that score on the side of their hardware?
1: Let me, pull, let me pull this up again, so I don't say anything too outrageous about what's on the ring. I mean, it's a championship ring. You have the Big Ten champions right on the front of it. You have the trophy. You have the M over the trophy. You have Michigan Wolverines on the front as well. Um, Horror 12 wins as a coach. And then you do add the score to the Ohio State game, which seems a little odd, which this game does not have anything to do with that game. If specifically, you get this ring because you won a game after, the week after you beat Ohio State. So, I mean, if this is what you want to do, great. But it's, it's a weird look to me that you're going to add a score to this ring, which is which goes to winning one game which you're going to the previous week, like I get like it's a big game, but it's Michigan. They do weird things.
0: I mean, Ohio State has ammunition here, right? This feeds to the argument that really everything that happened this season was the mountaintop for Michigan football over the last few years. Ohio State's goals always are to win the whole thing. Michigan, uh, I mean, got to the stage and honestly just beat Ohio State that that was kind of their Super Bowl and again it just also feeds to the idea that Ohio State has of course some rent-free space in Michigan heads always.
1: <laughs> rent-free space that's a good that's a good thing to say I mean yeah but Ohio State does something different for the Ohio State Michigan game every year there are gold pans that you get if you win that game which is specific and only to that game. I don't know how many schools out there will go out there and say our biggest rival, we're going to put the score, the final score to that game that we won on the ring that we get for winning our conference championship. So, for example, let's go down south for a little bit. If Auburn beats Alabama, and then goes on to win the SEC championship, do I expect Auburn to put the score of the Iron Bowl game on the SEC championship ring? No, I don't. If USC beats UCLA, then USC goes on to win the Pac-12 championship. I don't think USC is going to put the final score to the USC-UCLA game on the Pac-12 championship ring. I could be wrong. I don't think they would. It's weird. It's absolutely weird. But their head coach is weird. He says weird things. He does weird things. So this could be a Jim Harbaugh thing where he's like, that game was so big, let's go ahead and put it on the ring to the Big Ten championship game that we won. It's Michigan, man. Like I said earlier. They do weird stuff.
0: Well, well, now it's become a headline. So if Ohio State, let's say, beats Michigan and goes on to win the Big Ten championship, does now that this has happened on one side happen again? Does Ohio State put the score of that game in a bit of a back at you? Or, or does Ryan Day stay away from that kind of stuff?
1: I think Ryan Day stays away from it because Ohio State already has a tradition, like I mentioned earlier, that the players are going to get something specifically with, from that game beating Michigan and the final score from that game will be on the gold pants. So I, that's my thought now. I don't think Ryan Day would do that. I think Ryan Day might use this as added fuel to down the road end up saying, okay, cool. Like you put the final score on your Big Ten Championship ring. How about I put 100, 100 points on you when we play the very next time and then beat, win the Big Ten Championship game a week after that? I can see that happening, but I really highly do. I, I highly am a, opposed to. And I don't think that Ohio State would do what Michigan did the next time Ohio State win beats Michigan and then the week after wins a Big Ten championship game. Urban Meyer would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> Urban was different. No, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I, I almost to stay away from that one. <laughs>
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about NBA draft stuff. We'll get to Ohio State side of that in just a minute. But as we get into draft week here, Jay, I've been talking a lot about Jaden Ivey lately. I'm pretty sold on the idea that this guy could be the best player out of this draft. He seems like the guy that across the board, everyone is agreeing is at the very least going to be a really good NBA player. He's maybe the most NBA ready right now. It's also been kind of agreed, though, that he's not going to go in the top three. He's kind of got a ceiling of ending up at number four there. But I do believe that at least going into this week, he's pretty locked in at that four spot at least if you ask me. I think that if it ends up being the Kings who keep that pick or there's talks of them trading that pick as well, I think part of the reason why the talks of a trade there are so expansive is because the prize is going to be Ivy. I think people believe that that top three is going to go green, Holmgren, and then Banquero. But I think once you get to four, I think it's kind of a consensus that that's where he's going to fall off the board to whoever's there. And I think he's really earned that spot in kind of how he finished the season, but also how he's performed in this pre-draft process, too. He's really, really good. And I think everyone in the NBA kind of just got a little bit more reassured as they got a closer look at him.
1: Yeah, it's always interesting when I look at the draft and I see how certain players are projected because the projections are... I'll be honest with you, I am not the best at them. I can tell you how a guy, I can analyze a player. I can analyze how good he is, but I do think Jaden Ivey should be a top three kind of guy, a kind of pick, because his game easily translates to the NBA. We are seeing guys that are his size that have different skill sets that can do the things that he does, and they flourish at the next level. And I do think what we saw from Jaden Ivey last year. It's just a small glimpse and a taste of what he'll do in the National Basketball Association over the next few years. Look at Chet Holmgren. I think he's way too skinny. I think he's very fragile. I think he's frail. I don't know how long he'll be able to keep his frame, the current weight he's at, and then if if he adds weight, how does that affect and impact his game? So those are different factors with him. Paula Bancaro, I have heard people that have questioned different things about his game and how they translate to the NBA. Everybody loves Jaden Ivy. I have not really heard anybody say things that they don't like. Strong dislikes that would make him not be a top five, top four, top three pick. I think it should be top three. Nate, honestly, I hope he falls to number six so the Pacers can, Pacers can get him. Just being honest with you, that's kind of my team. I, I would hope for that to happen. I don't think it. I don't think it will. I think Jaden Ivy is going to be a phenomenal uh, pro. I think number four, number three, wherever he goes anywhere in the top five is a great learning spot for him. And I can't wait to see what he does next year in the NBA and the years to come.
0: He's become that guy that everybody really talking who has those picks kind of four through 10, or maybe even a little bit further back that think they might be able to trade up into that spot. That's the guy that people are talking about now, because it's again, top three are pretty well set. And it doesn't seem like those picks are going anywhere either. But once you get into that where it could change a little bit range that's when you start thinking about okay who is the steel of the draft at least outside of that top tier and right now jade navi again i think has worked his way into a kind of like a, a 1b maybe tier right behind those guys but even then it's a kind of thing where i think he's a guy that all those teams that are in that range are thinking about like what's the ideal situation who's the best guy to get it, it is like a Pacers at six thinking okay could JV, Jaden Ivy possibly fall down to us there it's that kind of uh, thinking where the reason why he gets talked about so much is because he is that guy in that spot who I think people are recognizing is really really going to have a promising at least outlook on an NBA career and he has Things that are more NBA ready when you watch what he's done, and and more kind of fit into today's NBA game when you watch what he does, then uh, I think even some of those top three guys do. As you mentioned, there's questions around a guy like Chet Holmgren, and, and even the others too. There, Jaden Ivey, if you make him an NBA ready shooter, I said it last week. If you just make him an NBA level shooter, he he's a superstar. That's yeah. it. Yeah, he's gonna be ready to go. Yeah.
1: yeah, I do think that he has the ability to lead a team. I think when he gets to the NBA, his skill set now, being a better shooter, his explosiveness, his athleticism. But I do think he's a guy that can be a closer in the NBA. We saw him close some games, close the game against Ohio State earlier in this past season as well. So he, he can close games. But I firmly think in the NBA, you need a guy like him in the way that today's game is played. Athletic ability is just one thing but he can just, he just has the confidence. Like that's one thing you can't really teach. You can encourage, you can push. He already has that confidence that late in games or in crucial spots, he can be the guy with the ball or move without the ball to make sure that he helps his team put the ball in the basket. I firmly think, I don't make statements like this all the time. Jay Nivey is a guy that can be a star in the NBA very quickly. Yes, he has to go to the right spot or he can flourish despite that Management, bad uh, people in the front office, and those in the, those in those positions. But Jaden Ivy can do and probably will do amazing things in the association very, very soon. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the running for Rookie of the Year. I'm not going to say like he's going to win that. That's not me. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the running for Rookie of the Year after the first two or three months of the season.
0: I, I just think he's got some things that even the guys ranked above him don't even have yet as far as just NBA readiness and ready to go on the court. If you're someone who's into sports gambling, you need to be into bet online. It's a place to go for any sort of information that you may need on the latest bets. Baseball, of course, is in full Swings. So, if you need to know who has the biggest advantage in the pitching matchups or who's been scoring runs or struggling lately, you can get all that information at Bet Online. Stanley Cup playoff finals are, of course, in full swing. We have bets for you there to take a look at as well. It's over at Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, let's move on into Ohio State territory, Jay. When we talk about where people can possibly go Malachi Branham is going to be at the draft one of the 20 players invited I want to talk about I focus on those four guys from the Big Ten who are going to be actually at the draft so Branham's going to be there and there's been a lot of talk in Ohio of course of him coming to the Cleveland Cavaliers because it kind of fits I usually don't think this kind of stuff can work out when it happens this way but it's the spot at 14 for Cleveland where I think Malachi Branham could very well still be there at the end of the lottery and it seems like the Cavaliers really like this guy possibly from from some of the stuff that I've been looking at there's just been a lot of chatter around the idea of Malachi Branham going to the Cavs I'm interested uh, of what you know and what you think about that
1: it's very likely there's a weird connection between Branham and LeBron James We're going to use here that's just one of those talking points it has nothing to do with Branham in how he'll play in the NBA. Malachi Brandham and LeBron James went to the same high school, got coached by the same guy, same into St. Mary. And I think – I know it's in the Northeast Ohio area. LeBron got drafted by the Cavs in the 03 draft, number one overall. It'd be very weird if a guy from the same high school, same area, same part of Ohio, got drafted by the Cavaliers in 2022. Was that 19 years later in Malachi Branham? It's a weird connection. Ohio State fans would love it. They would love to see – how Brandon flourishes and how Brandon plays there in Cleveland, those that went to Ohio state basketball games will probably go to numerous Cleveland Cavalier basketball games next year. It makes sense. He got an invite to the green room for the draft, which was a huge accomplishment because even during the season, I did not think he would be this high. He would not have a chance to be in the green room, but he kept flourishing. He kept getting better and getting that invite is huge. It's just an invite that, is, that has nothing to do with what you're going to do in the NBA, but it does say a lot about how the NBA projects you as a potential draft pick and probably a lottery pick at the very end. I it makes sense. I do like it. I know he would love to stay at home and stay near his family and friends. Um, Cavaliers and Malik Random at 14. It it makes sense. I I'm going to say this now during the season and even towards the end of the season. If you were to ask me who would get drafted first between Liddell and Branham, it would have been Liddell all day, every day. I did not see this coming from Branham. I understand why he decided to go to the NBA, be a one-and-done player. I also understand why NBA executives and coaches value him higher as a higher draft prospect than EJ Liddell right now. So Branham moving up the boards consistently and continually, it just shows that his skill set, what he, what he did in year one, it's something that the NBA coaches and executives value as him being a future draft pick and what his future will be in the NBA.
0: Can you be a little bit more specific on that? Just what is it exactly that shot him up so quickly?
1: Confidence, and I do believe his ability to get to his sweet spot via the mid-range game and not not being afraid to get to the be- drive to the basket and cut without, move without move without the ball, those are a few of the things that he had done Consistently and got better. Now, three-point shooting there, not something as, as at an elite level that will get better. But I do think his ability and his comfort level is ability to rise to the occasion. And I'm going to say something I said recently on Locked on Knicks. Brandon was put in a tough spot earlier in the year when Justice Sewing was announced that he would not be playing any games for the foreseeable future. Indefinitely, then like the last month of the season, Holtman says that. Justin Sewing is not playing at all this year. Malachi Brandon was thrust into it as a true freshman and saying, well, Liddell's our leader. Who's number two? Mm -hmm. Who's even number three? Is it going to be me or somebody else? We quickly saw that there's a need on the team for me to step up. There's a need on the team for me to be more of a leader as a freshman. And he took that next step. And so not only is it his, his set. His his offensive game that's a little old school with the mid-range, but very deadly and lethal when he puts it into practice. But also seeing that he stepped up in a big way due to a team need, that was one thing I do think that executives look out and say, yeah, he did all these things. He also stepped up in a huge way. How will he do in year one if he needs to step up in a huge way in the NBA? So it's not just like skill set-wise, it's his mindset. He got more confident. He got more comfortable on the court, and the executive saw that.
0: Cavalier is already one of the more fun young teams to watch. If they pick up Malachi Branham, it'll be, again, just a, another fun story in the NBA as they were, again, one of the more surprising teams of last season, making it into that play-in tournament. You mentioned the Indiana Pacers at six, your team. They're in this range here, kind of, I think, where you could see a Keegan Murray or Johnny Davis go. Uh, I don't know if either of them get up that high to a number six pick, but it's kind of weird the range that they're in. They're providing similar things to teams, and they're really going to be, I think, going right next to each other wherever it is. So I'm interested to see what you think, again, as someone who kind of thinks of it, if you're a Pacers guy thinking of it from that kind of a perspective, is this something that you're thinking about taking a pick that high on one of these guys?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those two guys, they're not normal basketball players from what we saw in college. we talk about confidence about Brandon. Talk about two guys that are confident and that could do a lot of things offensively. Um, and some, some things defensively that easily translate to the NBA. That's Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray. Now it all depends on which one is there which one the Pacers feel comfortable going with. I saw one mock draft and they said that Chet Holmgren at number six to the Pacers. I don't see that happening. I also don't, I could understand it because the Pacers are thinking about, and I heard uh, this a tweet earlier that they're thinking about getting rid of Miles Turner. Okay, great. But Chet Holmgren is a project. Miles Turner came in. You already knew he had the size, he had the weight and he was going to have in his NBA career. He was going to be a good shot blocker. Chet Holmgren is a good defender. But how is that going to hold up against guys that are grown men at his frame? I would – as good as he is, I am very, very skeptical of him. But if he falls to six, I can see the Pacers taking home green at six. But I do think they're more leaning towards a Murray or a Davis because it can be a three or a four um, on the roster position with basketball. But they could also be players that play well with others and don't need to – they're not, they're not divas. They're not going to be like extremely dominant in their personalities and saying um, bad culture. Now I'm going to say divas always, yeah, bad culture guys, bad locker room guys. These aren't those guys. They're team guys. They're team first guys. And there's going to be guys that you could be comfortable allowing to add into your offense, and they'll be comfortable fitting in where they need to be for the team to be suc- Successful.
0: I guess that's kind of the gray area I'm in with both these guys is like, I'm drafting them and I'm thinking everything that you're thinking there is that they're players who are going to be able to contribute right away. Going to be able to be kind of plug in and play in whatever sort of offense you need them to play in and have defensive abilities too. Let's not forget that we're not too bad when they were playing in college as well. But as far as when you're thinking about making top 10 draft picks, I'm thinking about guys who are going to eventually develop into superstars, at the very least, key pieces on championship teams. And I'm kind of stuck in the area of how much do I think these guys are going to be that one day compared to how much am I just wanting the comfortability of being able to say, okay, this is someone I know can on, in a lot of cases, already young teams, be another piece to plug in there. I don't want to end up being too comfortable here going after a guy who can't end up being that superstar player five years from now. I'm not saying either of the, these guys can't be that, but I'm thinking about where these other teams are at. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay, a Cavaliers team taking Malachi Branham, that's adding another piece, another piece into an already really good young team. But when you're picking a guy at 14, that's different than when you're spending pick five, pick six on one of these players.
1: The Pacers are a team that needs a lot of help. I mean, you they, they just got rid of Sabonis, I do believe. All of a sudden, now you're thinking about getting rid of Miles Turner. You're just trying to rebuild and make something and get something that's solid and solidified so that fans can start coming back to the field house again and, and fans will get behind. Fans are behind the team. There's a lot of disgruntled fans. There's a lot of people disgruntled on the team. They're in a need. They're in a, in a mode where they just need guys that will fit quickly. Now, maybe they don't need, they, they don't think these guys are going to be superstars. Maybe they just think they're going to be NBA journeymen, be in the NBA 10, 12 years, and maybe they'll not be a journeyman, but they'll be with one franchise for the, for the bulk of their career or for, or for the entirety of their career. Maybe that's what the Pacers are thinking. I think Davis and Murray are going to be really good basketball players at the next level. I also know, I understand that it does take the right thought process from the management to pick the right guy and to allow those guys to be all they could be on the basketball court. I don't know if the Pacers are looking at these guys and saying, these are going to be eight-time, nine-time All-Stars. I don't know. But I do think with these two guys, it's going to be hard for you to miss with either of them because of the locker room stuff I mentioned. But, I mean, dude, they do, we, we saw it all year. They do so much on the basketball court that helps their team win along with the scoring. Pacers need guys like that. There have there has been uh there's some I'm gonna say bad apples, but there have been some players that with injuries and things that have been really inconsistent that have not been on the court as much as people thought they would be. These two guys I believe they'll be healthy and do believe that wherever they go, the Patriots get them or somebody else, they'll be very, very happy that they, that they got Davis or Murray added to their roster.
0: And I'm not saying these guys aren't gonna be stars. I mean, I I'm not I'm not stupid enough to doubt Johnny Davis anymore he, yeah. he does he's yeah. done everything already it's not about that I'm just again when you're thinking about making a top 10 pick you're thinking about who are those guys going to be and it's I guess just a question of like okay what is the success at those picks is it getting all-star games or is it getting a guy who can be like 15 points a game for 10-15 years I, I don't know it's again different of course per the situation but I think you're on the nose when you say that whoever these guys go to are going to be able to get people who are at the very least. I don't think we're looking at busts with these guys. No doubt about it. Uh, Jay Stevens is with locked on Buckeyes here in the offseason months, at least three times a week, talking Ohio state stuff. It's been a uh, busy. Is it getting busy on the football recruiting side? I mean, we've been going over a lot of stuff here conference wide, but uh, I don't think I saw any Ohio state commitments at least over the weekend, but it was a, uh, uh, always busy, I guess, during these months. Visits are going on. What is going on big with Ohio State recruiting before we let you
1: go? Uh, it is big. This is a big day. Recording this on Monday morning. And uh, Cardinal Tate, five-star receiver, is down to either Tennessee or Ohio State. Those are – John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, he keeps saying that it's Ohio State or Tennessee. Those are the final two schools that Tate is deciding on when he's – where he's going to go. Carnal Tate announced that he's going to announce his announcement on Monday, June 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Nate, I have an I have an appointment during that time that does not allow me to be on my phone. So (laughs) I am going to be very, very anxious and thinking about what is going to come. What I'll see around about an hour later where I will be able to get back to my phone and say, oh, Carnal Tate chose. This school, I'm hoping it's Ohio State. It's also unfortunate that I can't get John Garcia back on the show until Friday. So I think i got a long time between now and then to get um, Mr. Garcia back on the show. But Carnal Tate, five-star receiver, all roads seems like it's going to be Ohio State. And there may be a, a, a trickle-down trickle down effect because there are two other really good receivers that have Ohio State high on, high on their board. If Tate goes to Ohio State, could we see another five-star receiver and then a four-star receiver? commit to Ohio State as well? P- it's possible because Brian Hartline has built a factory and a lot of good receivers want to be a part of it.
0: It'll certainly be interesting to see where he goes. Again, that decision will be coming. I- I'm not sure if it'll be by the time we get this show up, but again, again you'll, you'll be able to know what ends up happening, <laughs> possibly even before Jay Stevens does. And we'll, of course, <laughs> talk to him about it Probably. next week and he'll be talking to john garcia jr again about it later on this week on locked on buckeyes jay thank you as always for joining us to talk a little bit here nba Draft's going to be fun later on this week we'll hear what you think about where malachi brandon and everybody else goes next week here on the show hey thanks to jay for joining the show we'll be back again tomorrow but first of course some news from around the big 10 We mentioned already Michigan is unveiling its Big Ten championship rings from over last season. Scores of both Big Ten title game and that Ohio State game. On the rings that they released, you can see pictures of those rings online if you're a Wolverines fan. We talked again with Jay about that at the top of the show. Uh, Some recruiting news. Commitments over the weekend. We'll run through all the commitments of the Big Ten real quick. Uh, Danielle Hayes, a three star wide receiver, has committed to PJ Fleck and the Gophers. Minnesota also got a commitment from Marquise Williams, a three star running back. Three star wide receiver Ryan Manning has committed to Maryland. Three star defensive lineman Tyreek Blanding to Penn State. Three star defensive lineman Sadiq Clements to Purdue. Wisconsin gets unranked corner AJ Tisdell. And David Alano, an unranked kicker, goes to Illinois. There is only one ranked kicker in the entire class of 2023. That's actually Adam Samaha, who is committed to Michigan. That's a look at all the commitments from over the weekend in Big Ten recruiting. John Garsty is busy with a bunch of locked-on shows this week, so we won't get him on this week on the show. We'll have him hopefully back on again next week to talk to us about everything that's going on in recruiting news in other news, Northwestern's returning all five of their all Big Ten players on the softball diamond. That's Danielle Williams, Jordan Rudd, Nikki Kuchran, Maeve Nelson, and Skylar Shellmeyer. And in basketball news, Northwestern's Pete Nance has announced that he will be transferring to North Carolina. The Tar Heels returned four starters from their team last season. Brady Mannock is out. They're hoping that Pete Nance is going to be able to fill those shoes pretty easily. Let's look at all the news around the Big Ten. That is going on today. We'll have more, of course, tomorrow right here on Locked On Big Ten.